There is a word a lot of people do not like. And that word is hell. They don't like to be reminded that it exists. There are some in this world that would like to teach you a comforting false doctrine that hell is not real. But hell is real. It is the place where the infidel will go, where those who oppose Christ will go, where the false teachers will go. For those who are enemies of the Lord will not enter into heaven. Outside of Christ, we are all enemies of God. In Christ, we can find hope and peace. In Christ, we find true strength. In Christ, we find so many delights. Now, I don't want to go to hell. It's a dreadful place, and it's a real place. It's a scary place. It's a place I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go to. And God doesn't want any of us to go there either, do they? Does he? Not at all. According to 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, the earth will one day come to a surprising and a sudden end. It will be shocking. The scriptures say the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The frightening thing, however, friends, the frightening thing is not the way the earth is going to end, no. But what's going to happen after it does end? Every one of us will be sent to one of two places. We will either be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ or we will be in hell. Now I want to go to heaven, don't you? I surely don't want to go to hell, and I'm going to explain why. According to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, when we die or when the world comes to an end, we will all face the judgment. It is future tense. It is going to happen. And on that day, one of two things will happen to each and every one of us. We'll either go and be with Jesus, or we will burn in hell with those who have rejected him, rejected the gospel. Oh, and pride, you will send so many there to hell. Brethren, I'd rather be learning my ABCs in heaven than polishing a PhD in hell. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. What if the wages of sin be death? Shouldn't we quit before payday? The Apostle Paul Inspired of the Holy Ghost writes in Romans 3.23 that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. None of us in any way, shape or form except the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is true. It is true that none of us can stand on judgment day before Christ without being covered in his blood. That gives us forgiveness. It is true. And we deserve to go to hell. But I don't want to go there. And I'm certain you don't want to go there either. So I want to spend the time that we have. In explaining why I do not want to go to hell. I do not want to go to hell. Because in hell I would be separated from the presence of my Lord God. My loving heavenly father. I would be separated from him forever. 
the thoughts of that is terrifying. According to 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, on the day Christ returns to be glorified and marveled at by his saints, those who have not obeyed Christ's gospel shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. That's pretty exclusive, isn't it? There are false teachers in the world today who will tell you that everybody goes to heaven. Doesn't matter what you do, everybody goes to heaven. I can't find that in the Word. I wish I could, but I can't find it there. And I trust Jesus. I trust what He says. I don't want to go to hell because I would be completely cut off from God's power and His glory, from His mercy, from His love. Is there anything worth that? Anything whatsoever? Is there anything, anyone or any price worth going to hell over? I will tell you, I used to preach at a church where they handed me a bit of paper saying, we don't want you to preach about hell. We don't want you to preach about baptism. We don't want you to preach about marriage, divorce and remarriage and all the things that Jesus has preached upon. And if you do, we'll cut you off. You'll have no money. And I said, you know, keep your money. I got up and I preached on every single one of those things because they needed to hear it. The truth is the truth. And when I stand before Christ, what use is a check? What use is the praise of man if you're going to burn in hell for all eternity? When you get up in this pulpit, you're either the real thing or you're not. And if you're not, you need to get out of it fast. You're not perfect. Nobody is except the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one worth going to hell for. There's no amount of money in the world worth going to hell for. So let's think about this for a moment. We often talk about coming into God's presence or being away from God's presence. But when we say that, we usually don't mean that absolutely. We make that statement simply to say that someone is either in the will of God or they're not in the will of God. In the absolute sense, they're still in the presence of God and, in fact, participate in the power of God and receive many of his blessings, even if they curse God all the day long. Even if they say that their God is someone else like Zeus or Allah or some other false God. In the long ago sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, Paul declared that it is by God's power that we, that we that's all of us, whether Christian or otherwise, live. In God's power we live. We move and have our very being found over in Acts 17, 28. We live our lives. We get our breath, our every moment, our very cells being held together through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Colossians 1, 17, we discover that he is before all things and by him all things consist. Not Krishna, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Allah, not anyone else except the Lord our God. Not only the creative act was by Christ, but also the constant sustaining of our very beings. We are that dependent upon him. We are that dependent upon Christ Jesus our Lord. The fact that a person lives at all 
demonstrates that he or she is not separate from the power of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus declared that God caused the sun to rise and the rain to fall, even on the wicked and the unjust, whether people are Christians or not. As long as they are still in this world, they participate in the power and the glory of Almighty God, even if they do not recognize it. But after the coming day of judgment, the day of all days, those who have not obeyed the gospel of Christ will not enjoy even a tiny bit of God's power, his glory, or any of his blessings. And that is truly a sad, sad thing. There will be no light. There will be only darkness. No life. No hope. There will be no parole from hell. You're never getting out. There's no music just the wails of the despairing lost. There's no moving to a better place. There's no drop of water or a second of peace. Hell is a place of regret, of hopelessness. It is a place of memory, tormented memory. It is a terrible place. And many preachers will not preach on hell. For many people are offended by the thoughts of it. But if we do not preach on hell, we are not being loyal to the one that told us that hell is real. The Lord Jesus Christ said more about hell than anybody else in the whole of the Bible. It's as if God Almighty himself was waiting to come in the flesh to tell us and warn us from his own lips, human lips to human ears. Avoid this place. I've come here to save you from this place, to give you hope, to give you peace, to rescue you from the flames. What a mighty God we have. What a wonderful Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. Curios Christos in the Greek. In the Greek, that carries with it a meaning of curious. The Caesars were called Curious Caesar, Lord Caesar. It has a religious meaning, meaning that he is empowered with religious authority. What Caesar claimed to be, he was not. Jesus is all that Caesar longed to be. I can barely imagine what it would be like to be completely cut off from God. What comes to my mind is, is suffocation. Think about waking up and finding yourself completely unable to breathe. You know there's oxygen out there somewhere. But you cannot get to it. It's not there. You cannot breathe. Think about how frightening that would be. And the panic that would set in when you say to yourself, I need to breathe but I can't. I can't breathe. And there's nothing you can do about it or ever will be able to do about it. Not a thing. It's too late. You made your choice and there's no hope. Amplify that infinitely and hell is worse. And I don't want to go there. And I don't want any of you to go there either. Number two, I don't want to go to hell because in hell I would face absolute torment. In Matthew 25, verse 46, the Lord Jesus says that those who did not serve God will go into everlasting punishment, 
The same word is used in 1 John 4 and verse 18 and is translated torment. Be tormented. Tortured. Agony beyond imagining. When we think about punishment for crime, we think about prison. And we think of, we all have differing views of what prison life is like. But this is not just being locked up in a cell. This is being tormented. In Matthew 25, 41, the picture of hell is that of an unquenchable fire. It never goes out. Then shall he say also unto them on the, on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now I know that those in hell won't have physical bodies. I understand that spiritual bodies probably aren't affected by physical fire. But I do believe that the point of Jesus' statement was to drive home this fact, the real meaning of torment. Just as we would be in torment if we were in a fire, so will our spiritual body be in torment in hell. And we will feel it. So how awful will hell be? This is not presupposition upon my part. This is from the word of God. Revelation 20:14 defines it as a lake of fire. Matthew 25:30 calls it a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9:48 describes it as a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. So think about the account of the rich man in torment in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. I realize that this passage doesn't give us a picture of hell itself. It's talking about the place of torment in Hades, the waiting place for those who die before the judgment day. As sinners wait for their eternal sentencing in hell. But if what we read about in this chapter is simply the holding place for the spirits of the unresurrected dead... How much worse must the place of final torment be? It's a terrifying place. It's terrifying to even think about. The cries and pleas of the rich man in Luke chapter 16, 24 and 27 to 28 give us an explicit picture. Listen to them. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also came into this place of torment. But there was no relief, no, not, even, not, the, not the slightest bit, for agony for the agony he was going through. Now I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to imagine that type of anguish in that type of heat. One of the hottest things I can think of is the reheat chamber in a steel mill. It's used to heat up already cast plates of steel, the steel I-beams, I think they, they are. After the steel is cast into its shape, it needs to be reheated in order to be stretched, thus the reheat chamber. 
Now, the temperature of these chambers is a constant 2400 degrees Fahrenheit. The heat and flames are so intense that everything is contained behind a two and a half inch solid core metal door. And even then you can still feel the heat from a hundred feet away. Can you imagine being in that flame? Feeling the torment and agony and not being allowed to die? Well, hell is worse and I don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. No paycheck is worth that. No pleasing of man's itching ears is worth that. No one and nothing is worth that fate. And that's the fate our Lord Jesus came to save us from. Oh, how can we not love him more and more when we realize what he saved us from and what he paid in order to do that? Number three, I don't want to go to hell because my stay in hell would be eternal. Maybe hell wouldn't be so bad if it were momentary. If it were, uh, as some people suggest, as many do in false doctrines, that it's simply a moment of painful destruction. It's oblivion. I probably wouldn't be so afraid to go through it. But that's not the picture given in the Bible. And Matthew 8, 8. In Matthew 18, 8, 25, 47, and Jude, verse 7, the punishment is described as eternal fire. Revelation 14, 11 tells us that the smoke of those who end up there ascendeth up forever and ever. I've actually heard people say that, yes, the fire is eternal, but our stay there won't be. Book, chapter, and verse, please. You'll not find it in God's word unless it's been written in in the back in green crayon. It's not in God's word. But what does Matthew 25, 46 tell us? What's Jesus saying? He's telling us that the wicked will endure eternal punishment or torment. He states, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Not just a moment in an everlasting fire that vaporizes our very existence. The fire and our presence in the fire will both be everlasting and if this isn't true then Christ is lying is Christ a liar Christ does not lie the agony and the torment of hell will never ever be over there's no end to it there is no hope for those who are outside of Christ there's no end to hell I'll never be able to look at my watch and say, okay, there's only five more minutes left of this torment, and then I'm out of here. The terror and agony described in the Bible will last forever, without relief, rest, or respite. I do not want to go there. I do not want you to go there. Number four, I do not want to go to hell, because hell would be worse for me than if I had never believed. Many people struggle with this for in 2 Peter 2, verses 20 to 22, we read these verses which should frighten you. And frighten me, they sure do. Because it says that everything we've just described about hell and eternal punishment is less than what you and I will receive if, as a Christian, we do not remain faithful to God. Once saved, all we saved is a false doctrine. 
Either that is false or the word of God is wrong. And I know where I'm going to stand on the Bible. Listen to this. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You see, the passages we mentioned up until the one in Second Peter 2 describe hell mostly for those who've never obeyed the gospel, for those who have rejected Christ, even for those who have thought they obeyed the gospel but listened to the teachings of men instead of obeying what Jesus said. And that's the most heartbreaking of all. Imagine thinking you serve Christ your whole life to stand before him and him look at you and go, I never knew you. What a terrible thought. That should spur us on to study God's word and make sure we do know him, shouldn't it? It did me. Believe me. But for those who are saved at one point and then turn their back on the truth, God says the latter state will be worse than if they had never believed to begin with. Now I've heard so-called preachers try to argue their way out of these verses. They try to nullify them by saying this passage only means that our knowledge will torment us forever. Whereas the others won't have that knowledge. As if this statement means it really won't be worse for us. Listen, I don't care what it is that makes the punishment of the torment worse. These passages say it will be worse for us if we stop being faithful. And I believe in the Holy Bible. I believe in the Word of God, not in the opinions of those seeking to tickle ears. It is not worth your soul. Many are so offended by the words of Jesus. And these are Jesus' words. But the offense taken does not make our precautions any less valid. The offense taken does not make our precious Lord's words any less true. Or make them any less true for me as a gospel preacher. For I know I am bound by my master, the Lord God himself, to proclaim the whole truth. I work for God. I do not work for sinners. I do not work for cash. I do not work for men's praise. I do not work for a good and glorious name for myself. If you do not like what Jesus says, take it up with my Lord. I will not betray my orders and commit treason to my king and to my kingdom for anybody or anything or anyone because hell is real and hell is terrifying. This doesn't mean hell is a walk in the park for those who have never heard or never believed. It simply means that it would be worse for me if I don't remain faithful to God. So who will be in hell? First of all, as we mentioned before, Matthew 25, 41 tells us it is a place created for the devil and his angels. But it's also reserved for those who do not obey the good news of Jesus Christ or bend the knee to him as the Lord, as their Lord. 
and accept him and obey him. For in the end, all will bow their knee and he will either be their savior or their judge. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8 says that when the Lord Jesus returns with his mighty angels, he will in flaming fire take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Christ. Oh, the heathen will be there, those who reject Christ. The false teachers and false preachers will be there. Muhammad and John Smith, Popes and Jim Jones, they will all be there. Atheists and unrepentant Christians too. I remember a quote saying, when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised at who's there. If we go to hell, we're equally going to be surprised as who's there. God sees the hearts and the minds and he knows the truth. As I mentioned a moment ago, hell will also be the eternal home of unfaithful members of the church, according to 2 Peter 2 and verse 20. It will be the abode of those whose names are not written in God's great book of the redeemed. Revelation 20:15 says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We even have listings of the, in the Bible of those who will not be there. Revelation 21 tells us the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone. So you see how important it is to repent of our sins. Make sure you're right with God at every opportunity for you do not know when your life will come to an end. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 9, the Apostle Paul listed some things that will cause people to end up in hell, including adultery, fornication, uncleanness, talking about having to do with the, with the wicked things of this world, the things that pollute you, in your service to God, the things that God is not happy about. Lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Cannot say we have not been told. And he tells you that if you're guilty of such things, you will not be allowed to enter heaven, but you will be cast into the lake of fire. Just because you go to church does not make you a Christian any more than being in a coop will make you a chicken. God knows the truth. And it's sad to say that some people listening to this lesson, either here or online, who will perhaps unfortunately end up there, unless we're careful. And I'm speaking to myself as well. I must not forsake my Lord, not for anything or anyone. Fear nothing but God. Listen very carefully to the words of Jesus, recorded in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. I hope more than anything that what he said does not apply to you. The Lord Jesus said, I know thy works 
that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That means he will literally vomit you out of his mouth. He's telling these people at this church that was once a church of Christ, but has now become a church of men, that he, they make him sick. He's standing at the door. He's outside. He's not inside. It's not his church anymore. They make him physically sick. So even if you aren't guilty of the long list of sins we mentioned a moment ago, you can be so complacent, so selfish, or so non-committed to the Lord that you've lost your zeal and your enthusiasm as a Christian. You've ceased to be a humble servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that type of person actually makes him sick to his stomach. And if he rejects you and you don't repent and change your ways before you die, you will spend eternity in the torments of hell with the millions who are guilty of the exact same thing. And that's another reason I certainly don't want to go there. And I don't want you to go there either. Years ago, Brother W.A. Bradfield was known for his ability to convince people of the reality of hell and the possibility of them going there if they didn't obey God, stay true to the gospel, seek out his word and apply it to their lives. The story goes that one time a lady accused him of trying to frighten people into obeying the gospel and thought that that was a bad thing. He should be ashamed of himself. That's unfitting for a preacher. He should get out of the pulpit and never preach again. He should bow his head in shame for trying to scare people by telling them that hell was real. Brother Bradfield told her, I want to be honest with you. I am trying to frighten you. I hope I scare the living daylights out of you. Because Jesus warned that we ought to be afraid. Be aware, hell is a terrible place. The consequences of going there are horrendous. If a building is on fire, you are going to knock on the door of the person in that building and beg them to come out away from the flames, are you not? I've been in a hotel that's on fire, the alarm going off in the middle of the night. And I am thankful that someone knocked on that door And we were able to get down the fire escape as the flames went up the side of the building. I am thankful that someone risked offending me by telling me the truth about the gospel. For if they had not have done that, I never would have become a Christian. I never would have had the desire to tell other people to become Christians. I never would have left my home, my family, my country, my job, my pension, my career to become a preacher, to study and to study, to show myself approved unto God, so that I would teach the word of God and know what I was talking about. I did that for the love of God, not for the love of money. We ought to be afraid of hell. We are coming up on the anniversary of my grandmother's death. A year before I left to come to America. A year before my family permitted me to come here. 
and gathered together to support my mother in Ireland. She knew the sacrifice of me coming here to preach the gospel, but she knew my grandmother would want me to do this. I held her hand as she died in my arms, and I promised her I would serve Jesus Christ with all my heart, my soul, and all my being. I'm saying this not out of pride, but out of humble service to Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I do not apologize for serving Christ. And I will never do so. I'm in it to the end until I die. I grew up being threatened by terrorists to burst in the door and murder us. Many of them supported by so-called Irish Americans. I'm an Irish American myself and those people should bow their heads in shame for supporting terrorism because I came back upon this country on 9-11. They were all in it together, believe you me. If you're not out to serve Jesus Christ for the right reasons, then there's no point in doing anything. If you can be bought or blackmailed into obedience to men's wishes or wills, then there's no point in doing anything. You put your faith in God and you head straight for the Red Sea, knowing that he will part the waves. I've done that many times in my life, and he has parted the waves. He's always been there for me. I'm grateful I didn't grow up with an earthly father. The only father I've ever known is the father in the word of God. And I love him with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And if anyone wants me to disobey him, well, you can go fly a kite. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear them, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Does hell exist? Yes. Is it a discussion? No. Jesus said it existed, and that's it. Rather, we believe it or not, it exists. And praise God, heaven does as well. Praise God, heaven does as well. You see, when we're really afraid of going to hell, then we'll do everything God tells us to do in order not to end up there. If you have not obeyed the gospel, or you are not continuing to grow faithfully in Christ, your entrance into hell would be sudden and unexpected. And you certainly won't want that to happen. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready to be lost eternally in hell is by far the most terrible thing that could ever happen to anyone. For Jesus came to seek and to save who? The lost. If you're not a Christian, you need to do what God says. In order to be saved, in order to be welcomed into heaven when the end of time comes or when the end of your life comes. The Bible says you must repent of your sins. You must confess that you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and be baptized, that is, fully immersed so that you can be forgiven of your sins. 
Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Peter said in Acts 2, 38, To repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're already a Christian, but you haven't remained faithful to God, go to him in prayer and ask him to forgive you. Then get back on the road you know that you need to be travelling. Whatever you need, won't you let him save you? Before time runs out, because the clock is ticking, and one day it will be everlastingly too late. I hate the ticking of a clock. That constant ticking on the mantel, please tick, 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 tick. That measures how many seconds go by. In our last days, I grew to despise that clock. For every tick was one tick less that I had with my grandmother. And I hope that I will be with her again in heaven one day. If you want to know about a hard life, oh, she had a hard life. If you want to know about people that did faithful service, oh, she did faithful service. And there are many thousands of American servicemen that are alive today because of what she did. Make sure you're right with God. Make sure you do what is right in his sight. Make sure you realize that perfection only rests in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are imperfect. We make mistakes. We're only human. Be swift to forgive. Be slow to anger. And pray. Always pray. I'm reminded of a poem that says, Too late, too late the sad refrain, Hopeless in the dark of hell. No end, no end of sorrow reigns, No respite from the pain, the shame. Turn to he who loves your soul. Confess, repent, only the Lord. And sleep the sleep of innocent babes this night. Galatians 3.23 says, For as many as have been baptized into Christ. Make sure you're right with God before you go to hell. Thank you for your attention.